Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me on this Sunday evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, the Islanders have won another game and they also lost another game in dramatic fashion. Uh, but we have a first win at UBS Arena. Uh, Kyle, uh, <laughs> Zach Parisi is finally off uh, his, uh, his drought. Andy Green even scored. Uh, and he, Kyle Palmieri was the only ex-devil to not score in that game. Uh, so... Feeling pretty good right now. You know, we're going to talk about a game that ended fairly poorly for the Islanders. But uh, all things considered, I, I think everybody's emotions are, are pretty pretty high right now after uh, Saturday night's win over the Devils at UBS Arena. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> scary. I was thinking about how uh, if they win on Tuesday, I'm actually afraid of how positive I'll feel. Um, about the season because they obviously still have a huge hole to, to yeah. climb out of. Uh, right. Um, but the the win. I guess the win yesterday, because it was the UBS Arena win, um, Palmieri, um, I did it too, Parisi <laughs> scoring, uh, uh, was also, it, it was relief on a lot of exercising demons all around, right? Mm. Like, uh, there's there were a lot of demons in this team, and they seemed to be like one by one being exercised. Uh, and to, that, that kind of stuff, I think, is, is actually what's making me more positive than maybe I even was against the Sen after the senators win, which was their first win yeah. in uh, forever. But uh, now like the, the, and I, I addressed this kind of last episode too. It's just that the, every win you, after every loss, right, right after they lost the predators, you know, wrote the season off again and it was fine. <laughs> and 
I was like, you know what, like it's better to just rip the bandaid off and then they win. And it's almost, you know, the Godfather kind of thing. Like, you know, they pull me right back in. And, <laughs> and the sad thing is they're pulling me right back in with their second win in mm. a month. And yeah. it's, I, that's all that it takes to get me back on board with this team. That's a huge red flag within a relationship, right? Like mm, right. if your significant other treated you so terribly, like the Islanders did the past month. And then all it took was like, you know, he, Oh, here's, here's the cheeseburger. <laughs> and then, all right. I'm back in like, no, I'm uh but yeah, that's, that's what they're doing to us right now. And um, I will say that, that I think yesterday's win was probably the most encouraging ones of, uh, of the two, <laughs> we can't really say because I mean, the Jets' win obviously was comprehensive, but it was a, six weeks ago. And yeah. but uh, of of their wins, I think the one against the Devils really felt uh, like you'd seen that one before in plenty of times. It felt very, the Islanders' wins when they were at their peak were very matter of fact. And yeah, I know the first period wasn't matter of fact, but I think from that point on, it really did feel that way. I think the win, I, I agree with you. I think that win did feel very Islanders. -y. I think a lot had to do with the fact that Brock Nelson was back after his two to four week uh, injury uh, on the shelf. Uh, and that made things feel a little bit more normal. There was an Islander who was out, Anthony Beauvillier. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I felt that way too. Uh, the first period, you know, uh, ended up being finishing 2 1 Devils. Uh, and really, it was just two mistakes that led to two goals against to really <laughs> what they really ended up with. I don't know specifically what happened, but in two in both cases, some devil ended up on the other side of the ice by himself <laughs> and basically just launched the puck past Ilya Sorokin uh, in both cases. First, it was Jesper Bratt, and then it was uh, Jack Hughes. And in between, Noah Dobson had tied the game on the power play, which is suddenly all of a sudden super hot uh, and yet somehow still ranked 31st in the NHL. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where they make two go two mistakes. It ends up being two goals against, and you start to think, Oh God, here we go again. But from the second period on the devils didn't really have much. There was one breakaway that Sorokin stopped. There was a, another, maybe one or two high danger chances from that point out. But, but things pretty much moved in the Islanders direction. Again, Andy green had a goal, which is not something most people count on. Um, and then Zach Parisi, the shorthanded breakaway from uh, from uh, JG Pajot sent the crowd into a frenzy with that goal, and it was really funny that like obviously you know the hugest moments will end end up being in the playoffs whenever that happens. But so far, the two biggest cheers from UBS Arena have come from Zach Parisi's shorthanded goal in a win against the Devils on December 11th. And the other was uh, a goal from Noah Dobson with six seconds left in a game against the San Jose Sharks in in early December. It's like what you know these are, these are the moments the, the signature moments of UBS Arena. These two games that really, in a normal season, would be the most rote you know, forgettable games of all time, right? Like if you, even if you just flip the Islanders wins and losses, let's say they were like 11, seven and five, and it's kind of like treading water and you know, they're, they're okay, but you know, they're kind of hanging around the third, fourth in the Metro. These games would have just been like, Oh, they, all oh, right. Yeah, yeah. They played. Oh yeah. The devil's game. like, but now because of the situation that they're in, these are like enormous games and this four, two win against the devil's team full of, you know, it's like Jack Hughes and PK Subban and a bunch of guys you never heard of becomes an enormous, enormous game. And when when Oliver Wallstrom kind of put it away by passing the puck to Pajo made it 4-2, you felt like, okay, now we can they can go to work. And they did, and they won the game. And it was great. And uh, 
you know, it was nice. It was a nice feeling, <laughs> a very Islandersy feeling. So it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it is funny to me that it was just the devil's game. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they, they've, uh, they've gone from playing such high stake games for the past two years and all because right. they like it. Cause they, yeah, they put themselves in a spot where every game really is, uh, incredibly important. And mm. it, it's, it's, they're in their own, in a lot of ways, the Islanders are in their own season, um, where the rest of the league doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> and in one regard, like, because uh, I think they're, they're definitely an outlier in terms of, we really don't know what the Islanders are supposed to be this season, just because mm. we haven't seen them. Uh, like we, we, the 13 game ro- uh, road trip. And then when they finally get home, that's when the COVID break outbreak starts and Pollock and Nelson get hurt. Uh, so it's been, it's been a absolute, you know, scattershot of the first couple months. And this team is just, uh, they, we have, we don't know what, who they really are. Like, which mm. is it's sadly the fact that the timing of all the injuries and the COVID outbreak really was, couldn't have been worse. And obviously there's bad things. So never a good time, but to do it after right as that, that road trip was coming to an end and you're opening a new building. It just, it, it, I think it just, took a, a lot of wind out of their sails and there wasn't really that much wind to begin with uh, coming <laughs> out of that road trip after the Florida games. And um, so it's just now I think we'll, we'll start to see whether this team actually does have the fight in them. And, and in the other regard of them being kind of outliers is there's, it's way too early and they're way too far back right at this moment to, to scoreboard watch. I'm still mm. doing it. I was watching the Flames Bruins game last night. I was too. <laughs> and then I switched to the uh, Blue Jackets Kraken game when that one was kind of a yep. little bit out of reach, you know? Yeah, like I, in my head, I was like, you know, f- Thursday night against the Bruins is basically a playoff game. Mm. Uh, and, and in my head, it still is. But, uh, you know, you got, I got to find a way to get out of that thinking because it really doesn't matter. This is a team that needs to, if they play at the 106, 108 point pace, or, you know, even 102-point pace needed to make a playoff spot or the 97-point pace to at least be in the mix uh, in the next couple months and, and not have their season end by New Year's Day or Christmas, uh, you know, that then things – then you can start doing those, you know, the the auditing of, like, the rest of the league and stuff. But for right now, it's, it's really blinders on, and the Islanders just need to take care of winning games and getting points whenever they can, and – uh, you, you know, they've won two out of three as, as demoralizing mm. as that Nashville <laughs> loss was, they, they've won two out of three. They've had points in, uh, what, five out of six, five or out six, of six, seven, yeah. Whatever. yeah, five out of six. And they were eight seconds away from points in mm-hmm. six straight games. And, uh, so there's just some signs of life coming. And I honestly thought, and we'll talk, let's, we should just talk about that Predators game now, I guess, is mm. that, uh, I thought that, that when that goal went in with 11 seconds left, I just said to myself, there's no way that this team is not only are they not going to win on Saturday, but they're not, this is it. Like (laughs) you can't come back from this from that moment. Um, But they did. And that does show a little bit of the resiliency we've seen from, uh, from this team. That's been a trademark of them uh, for the past three years. Uh, I like to think that resiliency manifested itself and the perfect uh, microcosm of it was after the Josh Bailey made a, questionable play against the Bruins um, in that comp when the Bruins came back, I think from three, nothing down or three, one or whatever it was in the playoffs. 
and then Bailey turned the puck over. The Islanders still ended up winning the game in the playoffs, but they, right after that goal, they flashed to Bailey on the bench, and he just looked fine. He didn't, he didn't, no expression on his face. And that, that to me was what this team is all about. Like, it's just, they don't get phased. They, you know, if they make a mistake or whatever, it doesn't compound. And this season has been very different, but part of that reason and and bringing me back to the Predators game, part of that reason that these mistakes have compounded is because they have players on that have been playing big minutes that are mistake filled players. Like Sebastian Ajo is for his skill set is tantalizing. He moves the Mm -hmm. puck. Well, he's, he's got some good offensive smarts. He can clearly run a second power play unit if that's all he he was tasked to do. But he is a skating stick, unfortunately. He's he, going back to his first game. He turned the puck over in the the defensive zone against uh, I don't, who they playing the Lightning or someone, and and then in a, in a goal mouse scramble, kicked the puck right out to the slot, which ended up both those mistakes ended up in the back of the net. And otherwise, he played a decent game. But if you're making two huge mistakes every game or one huge mistake every game, you need to be playing at a much better level than what Sebastian Ajo plays at. Um, so by deleting a couple of those players off the roster uh, right now, uh, you see the difference, I think, from game to game because that Devils game, like you said, two mistakes that did end up in the back of the Islanders' net. And uh, if Sebastian Ajo is in that game, maybe instead of Robin Salo or whoever – there could be another one there, and, and you're talking maybe the Devils are up three one after the first mm. period, or they they come back and take a four three lead at some point. So it's just been you, the difference that it that there's such an immense difference from the the taking bad players off the roster and replacing them with players like Brock Nelson or Casey Sezikis, or putting someone like Robin Salo, who was playing first pair minutes in his first cameo, which was mm. way too much to ask for someone coming up in Bridge out of Bridgeport in that scenario. Um, putting him in an appropriate role, he seemed to just be kind of a, a solid, calm puck mover who, who who wasn't as frantic as Aho and doesn't he's not small, so he doesn't get muscled out below the dots and stuff like that. So, just getting the roster right uh, made such a huge difference. And part of that, yes, was uh, two guys, important players coming back from injury, but part of it was putting uh, some taking Sebastian Aho out. And I think that we, unfortunately, because it's been fun. Um, I think the Sebastian Ajo experience has, uh, yes, yeah. it's come and gone. Uh, yeah. You know, I was thinking about that today that, you know, for years you and I, and I'm sure a lot of other people were like, Hey, how come Sebastian Ajo you know, played all those games under Doug Wade and then trots took over and then we didn't see him again. And he's been on the taxi squad and he's been practicing and why don't we give him a shot? Well, quite frankly, he's gotten his shot and he didn't do much with it. <laughs> I hate to say that. I hate to put it in such stark terms like that, but He's been pretty pretty mistake prone this whole time, and I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe it's been three years on the shelf in the NHL. He's played a lot in the AHL, and and he's played pretty well down there. But yeah, I mean, at the, after that Nashville game, it was hard to justify putting him back in the lineup. And Salo came in in the Devils game and played pretty well. I mean, I don't I don't know if he was behind any of those those mistakes, but I mean, I think generally speaking, he he played pretty well. Um, just the Predators game was a weird one. It was demoralizing. Those goals, man, like with 11 seconds left, those are just the worst. Like they're worse than than overtime goals because you have to sit there and watch the clock run out. Even And it makes 11 seconds feel like 11 hours. And it's just like, really, we're going to do this now? Um, but that goal, and I mean, it was a back and forth thing. It was, it was an exciting game for an Islanders-Predators game. The Islanders never beat the Predators. I don't know. 
What did it thank God? And thank God they're not in the same division because it's just an awful color matchup. There's no good jersey combination <laughs> between these two teams that makes for interesting television, right? It's just just terrible. Uh, obviously, the Islanders jerseys are fine, but the Predators jerseys are fine too. And just together, they're just both terrible. But uh, anyway, um, Austin Zarnick scored. That was exciting. Uh, Zdeno Chara literally bloodied a man's face. Yakov, he has some beef with Yakov Trenin that goes back years. I don't know. They just don't like each other. And if there's one guy you definitely don't want on your, on his bad side, it's Zdeno Chara. And so Chara just pulled his jersey up over his face and went to town. And it was pretty gross. But then Ch- Trenin got the last laugh because he ended up scoring later on to tie the game uh, after the Islanders had taken a lead from uh, Noah Dobson goal. So, um, but like Lee scored, uh, then, you know, Johansson and Sissions both scored at some point, but, uh, basically it all came down to get the score was tied with 11 seconds to go. Noah Dobson again, who had had a great game, gets the puck behind the net and he just sends it around the boards. And the only person there is Ryan Johansson who plays for the predators. And as soon as I saw that it was a predator there to her not to be Johansson, I'm like, this game is over now. And I'm not saying that to, you know, pump my own tires, but like, what is going on right now? <laughs> it was, that was my, like, wait, what? And so, you know, Hansen kicked it back to Yossi, who fired it in, and it was tipped by Ellie Tolvanen, and the game was done. And it's like, and but it wasn't done, because you had to wait 11 seconds for the clock to run out to remind you that your team just blew it. And they had a point, and as our friend Carrie Haver said on Twitter, like they came eleven seconds from a six-game point streak, which would really—I mean, if you think you're in a good mood now, what happens if they had points in six straight games? Like that would have been great. And so that was it was really demoralizing. And I give the Islanders a lot of credit for coming back to again to play against the Devils, a team that had shut them out earlier, and getting back to their game. And that was a game that they looked for the most part, like the Islanders, even Josh Bailey had a pretty good game. I got to say, and we we kind of took him to town a little while ago. You know, he didn't get on the score sheet, but he looked good. Like he looked, he looked like Josh Bailey. Yeah. Good, good, good Josh Bailey. And I was listening on the radio for a second and Greg Picker was the one who pointed out that uh, it was the second game of the season where Josh Bailey had two, at least two shots on goal. And uh, <laughs> uh, that is such a Josh Bailey stat. And it it really, I had such, flashbacks I, I, I might have lost sight of the road because it was flashback to 2011 <laughs> watching right. him you know, i'm not sure if that line is like a natural fit you know bailey lee barzell i mean it worked last night lee uh he had one goal or two goals last night i think he had one maybe he didn't no he had he definitely scored against but like you know he's lee looks like lee like, and barzell looks like barzell i don't know if it's a natural fit but you know if bailey's gonna play pretty well like that it'll work out yeah, but that was a like, tough one. Like you said, Lee looks like Lee Barzell looks like Barzell, and Bailey's starting to look like good Josh Bailey. Because mm. if you say Josh Bailey looks like Josh Bailey, it could mean a million different things. <laughs> um, but and, I mean, going to uh, in that Predators game, I thought that the, basically, like everybody played their role um, except one mistake. Two, yeah. two, well, it was really two mistakes that that killed him, and. Uh, the really bad coverage on the the third the game tying goal and then the the Dobson play and wow. um the, the the thing about Dobson is like he's got the skill set and and the uh a capability of if he makes those mistakes you you live with them I mean you don't live with that kind of mistake because of the timing of it but you hope to God that because he's such a good player 
in, in 59 and 49, 59 minutes and 49 seconds of the rest of that game, <laughs> um, he, he learns from it and that never, ever happens again. And I think we saw stuff like that with, with Ryan Pollock and gr- going through these growing pains for Adam Pellick. And so if, as long as if yeah, you, shake that sure. one off, yeah, you, you shake those off and then you, you never make those mistakes again. And, and you, you just hope that, um, once, cause that's all, that's all that's really holding Dobson back from being a legitimate top two, uh, top four defenseman right now is he makes one too many mistakes and, um, he, he just happened to pick a bad one. I, that, that <laughs> really sucked. I was at a, I was watching that game, uh, on my phone at Mulcahy. He's waiting for, that was at the taking back Sunday concert with my brother. <laughs> and I got my booster shot at 11 AM that day. And, yeah. um, as that goal went in, uh, the lights went off. The band was as soon as that call went in, the lights went off inside, mm. and I started to feel like absolute death from my, <laughs> my shot. Like all, all in one. Like it just Ugh. was just a really uh, oh weird moment in time, and that's part of the reason I was like, "Oh well, this this season is completely <laughs> over." When it, and it was for a couple of days, and right. um, but yeah, you said it. I mean, everyone like once it was a a, a game that the. Um, the mistakes end up in the back of the Islanders net. Simeon Varlama has to be said, like he, he, this has to be the next month. Ilya Sorokin needs to be playing basically every night because yeah. I understand the catch 22 of it. Like you need to get Varlama up the game time to get in form. But at this point they can't really afford to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, like, the, and there's a back-to-back coming up against Montreal and, and Vegas. So he'll have a game then. And uh, you just, you need this, we need this guy to, to, to get back to form as quickly as possible, but also not play. So it is a, it's a conundrum because Sorokin is just, he's awesome. Yeah. I actually thought Varlamov was pretty good in that Nashville game. I don't know if any of those goals were really kind of on him. The, the, the threat of the predators kind of thrive on like tips and, and chaos in front of the net sort of thing. And especially that last goal, uh, the, the Tolvanen goal, like he's cutting across the net and Yossi hits him with a shot that ricochets right off of him. And I, I mean, I'm not even sure if, Varlamov even saw it because like there was bodies in front and everything. So I thought that was one of his better games, if not his best game of the year. But like you said, he just can't. Yeah, he just he hasn't, he hasn't right won. Now. He hasn't won him a game yet. Which the Islanders right. just you know, they, the way they play. They need a goal. The goalie needs to be the third at at bare minimum the third best player of the game for right. him to win. And and right. he's not been he's not been up to that to that par yet. Um, and, and we know that he can get there. So it's yeah. just a matter of time. But at this point, like the points are just too precious. So. You yeah. hope that uh, Sorokin, who I thought was awesome, I, I don't know who it was. Someone on the uh, the Devil's second goal last night, I think it was Andrew Gross, was like he, Sorokin had a really good look at that one. Whereas it was just, I mean, the guy was just he had all day to pick a spot, and mm. I, was, I was looking, I'm like, I don't, I don't think that one's on Sorokin for <laughs> leaving someone wide open. Kyle yeah. Clutterbuck, I don't know where he was going. That, yeah, that the one, first but, one was on Clutterbuck, and I think this, the well, no, the second one was on Clutterbuck, and the first one was on somebody else. Yeah, it just left him. Yeah, it was a breakaway, uh, right? But it was like nobody was on that side of the ice. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> just, I don't know. But uh, yeah, but the, but it gets back to what you were saying earlier today about, like, or earlier in this, you know, this episode where you're talking about the, their identity and playing themselves. It occurred to me during that game, right, specifically during the first intermission when they went in down two one. Again, this is against the Devils, and uh, and you know, obviously, I remembered the the terrible Nashville game. Like, I was like. This team's identity for three years now has been don't give up of chances, um, score on counterattacks, and get great goaltending. Like, that's their identity. When you play the Islanders, you know that's what's going to happen. That's why people think they're boring because they don't let 
your Claude Giroux's and Sidney Crosby's and Panarin's and all and so forth down the line do anything with any of their opportunities. They take those chances away from them. That has been their calling card. And like you said, the goaltender is always one of, if not the single best player in the game. And he always leaves thinking like, we were never going to beat that guy, like, or to get a goal from that guy. And, you know, they've, they've been right up in the Jennings trophy. Uh, they won one Jennings trophy. They almost, they came within, I think two or three goals of winning another one last year. That's the thing. And they score, you know, they take their opportunities and they score on them this year. Like what is this team's identity right now? Even with, even including that win last night, which is, you know, a pretty good one. And, and it's a feel good win. And if they win on Tuesday against Detroit, it'll be another one. But like, this team doesn't have that identity. They're, this team's identity is more like hang on to survive and hope that you'd make one less mistake <laughs> so that it doesn't go in. It's really not a way to win games. And I, I but again, it's like you said, like there is they haven't had a full lineup really yet. And when they did, they were in the middle of a 13 game road trip, which is a hard thing. And and uh, the, the worst thing about the road trip, as we talked about during the road trip, wasn't even the road trip. It was. You have, you know, four days off, then a back-to-back, then one game, then four days off again. Then you have one game in 11 days, one in Nashville, one in Montreal. Like, and so they never got into that rhythm. They never able to kind of establish that identity again. And then the COVID thing happened, and here we are with, you know, half the lineup out. So this team has not played to their identity, the identity that has gotten the Islanders where they are and has built these expectations and that's the team I want to see. And so, you know, I, last the the game against the Senators, they outchanced the Senators by a lot. I, I believe they had more chances against the Devils. Uh, high danger chances for were in the Islanders' favor for sure. Uh, definitely the uh, the yeah their uh, little blob on their uh, heat map was in favor of the Islanders. You know, the the Predators game was was more more even. Uh, you know, they each had chances either way. Uh, but again, you know, one mistake just ends it. And and last year's team, honestly, probably would not have made that mistake. And this one does. So they need to find that identity again, or at least find a identity that can win games regularly. Because like you said, <laughs> they can't afford to drop anything. And at this point, you, you need to win every game. Like any loss is just another nail in the coffin of your season. And there are way too many games right now to write them off. Their season may very well be over. But I mean, if with 59 games left, it's kind of hard to like. Really yeah. say that mathematically but you just can't lose any games like it's that simple and i hate to i hate to be like that that guy but you just can't because <laughs> then you're just you're just writing your own tombstone basically you know when you can start losing games is when you have you've won four of the last five and yeah. lost in overtime <laughs> right. or something like that's yeah. that's what it is like points they need and eight straight or something point. yeah <laughs> right they need to get to that point and, and you and every win and every win that they now get is another step towards that um, and that's it. Like it's the hope that kills you. And, and now mm. the hope is that, okay, this game against the devils. And then it's a very, very winnable game against the red wings mm. on Tuesday in Detroit. Um, and then you know, the Bruins at home, which is not easy, obviously. And the Islanders mm. probably the underdogs now, but it's the Bruins are a team that is still working out goaltending issues and they have depth scoring issues still. Like there's, this is a, like the schedule isn't da- that daunting. And so you just keep looking at it and you're like, oh, why am I still getting myself tricking myself into thinking of this? And then you realize, yeah, 59 games is a lot. Like you, you, I think if, if you put the shoe on the other foot, like let's say the Islanders where, where the Penguins or Bruins are right now. And then the, the Bruins or Penguins or 
hurricanes or someone where, where the Islanders were, I think you and I would probably be on the show and be like, oh, there's something really frightening about seeing them down there because you know, like the, the Capitals, they're 7-11-5, mm. but you just know they're not done. Like they're going to go on a run. And I think a lot of people think like that too mm. about the Islanders. It's just we, um, you know, we don't hear it because <laughs> it's uh, it's pe- people right. who are, are fans of uh, other teams and, we, mm. you know, you're not like going out and seeing those opinions. In the national media obviously isn't. Right. But, oh, the, but the Avalanche and Capitals have had so many, so many injuries. How can they ever get over? Yeah, okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, they've had a lot of injuries. Yeah, it's, right. it's, it's, They're it's the only ones. Yeah. It's truly <laughs> remarkable. And, uh, uh so, and, but the, you, I just, I, I don't think, I think it's a probably split down the middle of people who, who are feel like, yes, the Islanders are, um, everyone can agree on one thing, which is there's a huge hole here, but like, I think if you ask around the hockey universe, it would be 50-50 on can the Islanders come back and make make a run? Um, people would say yes, and then 50% probably would say no. Um, and, and, and I'm talking like unbiased people uh, because I, I, they've done it in the past, first of all. And uh, second of all, they're this is a good roster, and they have great goaltending and a great coach. And uh, those are those are pretty huge ingredients. I mean, nobody's saying that about the same. I think about the Flyers. Like the Flyers mm. have – uh, they they have a little bit. Their record is a little bit better than the Islanders. They just had a, a hellish losing streak of their own, and um, everybody's talking about them blowing it up. Like this is Claude Giroux on his way out. They should probably trade him and start over. And it's because they don't have the pillars in place that the Islanders do um, to 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 dig themselves out. And uh, you know, I was saying this uh, last night that the way I'm I'm, I'm approaching it, and, and this is how I'm trying to keep my. Um, both, both some positivity about the, the team, but also expectations where they are is that like right now the Islanders are in basically a, a, a three team race with the Penguins and Bruins and the Islanders just happen to be 11 or, or nine points. If you, you know, you want to talk about game in hand or it's even six points. Cause if they win drastically, it's, it's <laughs> definitely an overstatement, but if they win their, all their games at hand on the Penguins, they'd be six points back, but whatever it is, the Islanders have a, have been have a nine point or eleven point deficit against in their three team race, but there's fifty nine games left. Like that's mm. enough time to to make up a hole like that. That said, yeah. it's they're not the favorite to do. It's like they are the long shot of the th- of the bunch. So uh, it's there's so many mental gymnastics to do, and and with every win, unfortunately, the mental gymnastics become more and more uh, yeah. you know profound. Uh, we're we're all going to become Russell Crowe from uh, A Beautiful Mind with the uh, you know working out the the math in our head and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, we are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about one of those pillars that you just mentioned, the man who has uh, given us hope, and uh, you know he's made some decisions lately that uh, have made people a little bit uh, I don't know. Uh, upset i guess is the best way to put it uh we're gonna hash those out and talk about that and uh a couple other things too all right so uh, meet us on the other side thanks i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now a word from our sponsors. First, as always, VintageIceHockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. They have jerseys, they have hats, they got everything. Vintage Ice Hockey also carries our Al Arbor t-shirt, and our portion of the sales go directly to the Center for Dementia Research. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE15 to save 15%. That is VintageIceHockey.com. Betway is the official betting partner of the NHL. Play big pick for free or play for real. Residents in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Idaho, and Iowa only. Click the link in the podcast description to join. Must be 21 or over. Terms and conditions apply. Try wines from the Pinot Project. Delicious Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, and Rosé, all under $15 a bottle. Available at local wine shops and at UBS Arena. Please, please play and drink responsibly. So, uh, Barry Trotz is the man for whom the Islanders uh, have an identity. He's the guy who established that identity that we talked about. He was the guy who put it here after the team was left for dead. Uh, he came in and said, nope, this is who, what we're going to be now. And after about a month and a half, they were that team. And they have not really deviated all that much uh, throughout his tenure. Been a couple of tricky spots. <laughs> we're not going to lie, but... By and large, they eventually come around and eventually become the kind of buzzsaw that he has built here. Uh, that being said, you know, he's not infallible and he has made some decisions lately that have rankled people. For one, he sat Anthony Beauvillier against the Devils uh, for an egregious mistake he made in the previous game against the Predators. He was standing next to a defenseman. That defenseman got the puck broken through the neutral zone. Beauvillier decided to go off for a change. That defenseman, I believe, was Matt Benning, ended up setting up game tying goal and it was inexcusable really and and from that point out Bo had I don't know maybe three or four shifts for the rest of the game um and he got sat in the next game and you know I saw people complaining oh how come they broke up the the Wallstrom Bellows line was working why did they have to break it well they broke it up because they sat Beauvillier and you know this is yes I get it Beauvillier has talent he's gone what is it 13 games without a goal or a point something like that now uh, he's been kind of invisible. So is Josh Bailey. I get it. Bailey had the COVID thing, obviously, uh, for a while. Um, but you know, something has got to give at some point and the coach is going to make decisions that people don't like Oliver Wallstrom getting not a ton of ice time relative to how he's scoring is another thing that's gotten people upset. Why isn't Wally getting more time? Why is he getting more time with Matt Barzell? Uh, why, you know, halfway through the game yesterday, Ross Johnson had more ice time <laughs> than, uh, Wallstrom did. Although I think Wallstrom eventually ended up out on top. It's another thing that's gotten people mad. You know, the Robin Sallow sat for a bunch of games in a row while Sebastian Ajo, like we said, was, was struggling out there. So, you know, these are things that, that are on the coach. They're on the coach's decision. And, you know, as I said last week, we, when we talked about Anatoly Goloshev, um, like, I'm sorry, I, I'm, you can call me whatever you want a shill or a stan or any other stupid word that people make up these days. But like, I'm going to ride with Barry Trotz. Like I just, this is the guy for whom this edition of the Islanders works and he's made them work this way. And you can see his reaction after last night's game was just as joyous as the players. <laughs> he was talking about how Islanders fans were bringing the thunder uh, after, you know, before and after the game, because they were so loud and they were so, you know, cheering on their own team and how much that's how special that is to him. And 
I think this team is still playing for him, even though they are making mistakes and stuff. And I feel like he's probably as frustrated, if not equal, more frustrated than any of us at this. And it's kind of running out of ideas. You know what I've said, Beauvillier, I don't know, but can't have a dude go to the bench and give up the tying goal. Like something's got to give and something's got to shake. And, you know, you got to get these guys' attention. And if that's it, then that's it. And they end up playing a great game the next game. So maybe it worked. Maybe Bo will be back in against the Red Wings. Who knows? Maybe he'll score a hat trick. But, you know, I, I can't get too upset about these moves like this because without Barry Trotz, the Islanders don't have the expectations that they're missing right now. So I don't know. <laughs> that That's my feeling on it. You know, I just, I'm going to, I'm going to go with whatever Barry says and hope it works out until he gets his, his team back basically, which is what we talked about before. Like, who are these guys? Yeah. I mean, these, I think if when they do these anonymous polls of, of media or players or whoever, uh, who's the best coach in the NHL. I think if he's not number one, Barry Trotz is probably going to be top three uh, in, in most of them. Uh, I think there's a different, like he's a great coach, one of the best ever. Um, I don't know if you would say that a lot of players who outside the the system would love to play for him, maybe because of the, the, the way he does, Um, you know, especially the, you know, would, would Jack Hughes love to play for Barry Trotz? I don't know, but like, I can tell you what, like he's, he's, his team would be a lot, have a lot better record (laughs) most likely. Like it's, it, it, if he took like the Canucks think about the Canucks, they just hired Bruce Boudreau, who I think is an awesome coach too. Um, If, if Barry Trotz was in charge of that team with all that talent and a good goaltender and Demko, we're talking about a completely different team. And uh, you got to, as frustrating as it could be uh, to, to see some of these decisions and, it, they, they, you got, you just gotta take a deep breath. I mean, like the, the, the Islanders have one of, if not the best coaches in in the NHL, um, and it's not good enough. I guess, like, is the is the question? Yeah. Like, it, it, it sure should be good enough. They, the last time they had a really good coach was, or who had uh, any sort of reputation was Pryal Arbor. Because I mean, yeah, Laviolette yes. ends up becoming a good coach, but the Islanders had him before that. They had him first. Like, it's. Um, so it's you. You just gotta take the the those these things with the good, which and there's an immense amount of good. And uh, the like the Wallstrom thing is 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 more funny to me than anything. Like because because he's still he's yeah he's his his role could definitely be expanded and it, at some point it will be and and it's taking a lot longer than I think a lot of people wanted to explore it too. But he's still producing uh, a lot and 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 I know that's like. Yeah, exactly. That's why he should be playing more. But it's just it's if he was if he was not scoring or anything, I think then people would be even more upset. Like, yeah, he doesn't have ten goals this season because he doesn't play ever. Like, Mm. what he's showing is that he can produce in this role, which is like it or not, this is how Barry Trotz brings players along. Like, he's not going to just be like, all right, he's going to be our first line winger now because that carries a lot more responsibility in the Islander system, I guess, than uh, it does. And it also gets him away from playing. You know, if he's playing with Barzell, it means he's he's going to be seeing Charlie McAvoy or whoever the best defenseman is that night. And you, you get a little bit more. The Islanders are a team built on depth. So, so like, there is some reasons. <laughs> right. We talk about it all the time that one of the funniest things about hockey Twitter, and I don't see this in any other sport except maybe baseball, <laughs> um, which is uh, – yeah, football too, but like differently. Um, those those are like more in-game decisions, on like timeouts or whatever. Um, but it's just like this 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 choir of people who 
think that Barry Trotz or Mike Sullivan or whoever the coach is that's not playing exciting young player or small puck moving defenseman um, 20 minutes a night, not only are they personally offended by it, but it, it just means that they don't know what they're doing, which is not the case. Like he, there's a reason there's a method for the madness and he's not going to say it out loud. Like he's, he, I think he addressed the decisions, what the two day, two games ago or three games ago. And he's like, I want him to get to be a first line winger. Like that's my hope. And I think he's going to, but he's not there. He's not going to say like, Oh, the reason where he, we play Wally with, with Peugeot is because Matt Barzell isn't that defensively responsible as a center and JG is, or Brock Nelson is, or whoever he's playing with that night. Uh, Austin Zarnick is like, there's a reason. And um, so that's, that's a frustrating thing. And it's going to get to the point where Wallstrom is going to start playing big, bigger minutes. And uh, it's probably going to happen soon this season. The mm-hmm. Beauvillier thing I think is different. Like, you, you can't go 13 games without a point uh, when you're de- dependent on it. Like, right. And, and this team, I think I can't remember who, who made the joke to us a couple of days ago, but like the, the Islanders needed a fight at practice or something to like spark them. <laughs> and this, this to me was another way to do it. Like it, it was almost like Barry Trotz and the team goes, lets up three quick goals that weren't the goalie's fault. And he pulled the goalie. It's a similar thing. Like, yeah. all right, I'm just going to sit this guy because the team needs to realize that, okay, like it's, it's not just Ross Johnston or Matt Martin being scratched tonight. It's, a top six winger, a guy who just signed a contract extension. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start doing this kind of stuff because it's, it's got to that point. And uh, it, it, like if, if Bovillier had scored or had like six points in his last 13 games, I think there'd be a reason to be upset, but he had zero. Yeah. Like, and, and what, so what offense are you actually taking? He's not, not only that, like he's been bad, like it's unfortunate, yeah. but when he goes bad, he goes bad. And, but when he, starts to heat back up he's great he's a, he, i haven't seen him that that like patented beauville yet which is it's just so much fun to watch when he chips a puck in behind the the yeah. defense and he gets his little legs moving real quick <laughs> and he beats them to the to the puck or he puts a, a bigger hit than his body should on the guys below the, the below the dots like that's i haven't seen that beauville yet i don't think at all this season and um when he shows up he's gonna start playing yeah he has a tendency to like just kind of arrive with the puck or like find, you know, he's a puck hound. Like he's a guy who the puck finds him a lot and he sets guys up or he, he always ends up being the other guy on the two on one and stuff like that. And yeah, that, that bow hasn't, hasn't played yet. And you know, it, it's funny. Like you, you bring up, you know, reactions and things like that. The thing that gets me is when people are like, ah, oh, it's typical trots, you know, sitting the young guys, that's literally every coach in league. And, and also typical trots is how we got here. You know, like that's what I'm saying. Typical trots is how you get to two semifinals back to back. And that first season, he 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 Barzell and Beauvillier were playing. Like Devon Tapes ended up playing a whole season. Like this, this isn't right. Right, it's just it's just it's like a weird uh, yeah one of those like made up trademark things. And yeah, like you said, it's every other coach in the league. Do you think? Mm. Do you th- like how do you think these other coaches would be handling this entire scenario? Yeah. Well, it's it's like though, you know, we joke that you know, hockey Twitter in particular only cares for like two teams. Like you're only allowed to to root for the the Hurricanes and Maple Leafs. Like you're only allowed to to root for a couple of different coaches. Bruce Brujo is one of those guys. So Bruce Brujo comes back in the league, and everybody loves him, and and you know his teams always score a lot. And then when he gets beaten in the game seven again, people are going, typical Brujo always loses in game seven. When are they going to get rid of this guy? And so it's the cycle that per- perpetuates itself over and over again. 
you know, there was a time when, you know, Dallas Akins was like, you know, the hot shot coaching guy got run out of Edmonton, probably unfairly. And then he ends up coaching in Anaheim and he's still there and nobody remembers it. You know, Ralph Kruger was another guy. Oh, this guy's great. He goes to Buffalo. It's a, it's a bad scene. And now he's gone and nobody talks. So like, there's this idea out there perpetrated by lots and lots of people who write lots and lots and lots of words all the time about this sport, probably too many that, you know, coaches don't matter. Well, we are the exception. Like we know coaches matter (laughs) because if they had hired any other coach, the Islanders at the time, you know, in 2018, again, they would not have been here, but Barry Trotz comes in with the plan and all the players get on board with that plan. And suddenly, and obviously the GM is on board with that plan. And all of a sudden, the team wins games. And like, that's not an accident. Like that's a game plan that's being followed to the letter by players. Now, if anything, if you want to criticize them, you know, there are reasons to that, but you know, the big thing about the Islanders is like when they are working and all of their parts are working in concert with one another, they are one of the better teams in the NHL. When one of those pieces isn't working properly or isn't there, chaos ensues and sometimes they can get over it and like they did with Anders Lee last year they went all the way to the game seven and semifinals without Anders Lee somehow uh you know they can make stuff work sometimes they can if one or two of those parts are, are out that's a problem um and you know this year we're learning that you know guys like Nick Letty and and Jordan Eberle may have you know filled roles that haven't really been filled again yet and that's that's on the GM that's really not on on the coach and if you want to criticize you know Lou Lamorello for that kind of stuff that's that's totally fair. You know, they needed to replace Nick Letty. I don't know if they thought that Zidane Char was that replacement. If they did, they were wrong. And if they didn't replace Nick Letty, they were also wrong. <laughs> but as as Arthur Staple wrote, and if you haven't read Art's piece uh, on from this weekend, Athletic, I think it kind of dropped sort of late Friday afternoon, so people might have missed it. But you know, he wrote twenty two th- you know things about the Islanders, and and it's really the best summary anybody could possibly have about what's gone on so far this season. It could have been 220 things, but the 22 things are, are close enough to being complete. And it's, it's very good. And it lists a lot of stuff. And, you know, it talks about Barry and Lou in particular. And, and you know, he starts saying Barry tries, isn't going to get fired and he's not. So people that are like, Oh, they've tuned him out. I don't think the team has tuned them out at all. I think they're trying to do what they need to do. And they're just not able to do it because there's too many guys on the team that don't know how to do it. And they haven't had a chance to kind of learn how to do it. Uh, you know, in a normal season, this has been anything but a normal season for this team. So um, I just, you know, when people are like, oh, there goes trots again, like, dude, come on. Like <laughs> what? Come on. Yeah. Really? Really? You're going to do that to this guy. Really? Really? It's, you know, it's it's nuts. drives it's, me nuts. <laughs> and, and I think the messaging, his messaging has been really good throughout this whole thing. And mm. uh, I think the, after the predators game, someone was said, Hey, Barry, these, uncharacteristic mistakes keep costing you said i don't know if they are uncharacteristic anymore and, <laughs> um th- that's true like he's he was he's not mincing words but like a, you said after the devil's game he's he's talking about how happy he was and same thing with, after the senators game he's he's he he also has been so upfront saying like like when they were going through the COVID stuff and kept having to play it's like no one's gonna feel sorry for them which mm. is true like i won't I wouldn't have felt sorry for for the Maple Leafs if if they had to go through that. I would have just been like, you know, it's mm. them's the breaks, and that's kind of what's happening with us. Like, it's it's just it sucks when you're in it, but when it's not you, this is a competition. And if one of the supposed main contenders just catches horrible break after horrible break, you just <laughs> thank your lucky stars it's not you, and uh, and move on. And and I think that that messaging uh, was good to hear from a fan's perspective. I'm sure it's 
good to hear from a player's perspective too. And similarly, like I think he's 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 starting to see. Um, just thinking about the last two wins, like he's starting to see this team has slowly started to trend towards the right direction. Um, because if they weren't, I think it would be a lot. Like if if, if they and yeah, they caught some breaks against the Devils with uh, the lineup issues for the for New Jersey and. They were on a back-to-back, uh, and they, same the Senators, they caught on a back-to-back as well. Uh, but uh, I, I think if, if the Islanders had been lucky to win those games or were outplayed and just Sorokin stood on his head, uh, he would be the first one to say it. Like, hmm. this team, uh, you know, we, we need to start find a way to, to win games on our, on our terms. which And that's what they've done. They've, they've, they've won games on their terms. They've gotten points on their terms lately, and you know, that's, that's, uh, that's why, like, we're going to look back on this in March and be like, how did we think that they still had a chance? But the reason we do is because of this guy, like if, if, right. if, yes. if, if it wasn't, if he wasn't the guy who was on the other side of, you know, who wasn't sitting behind them on the bench or staying behind the, the team on the bench, like I would just be like, you know, there's, there's no way that Scott Gordon's going to navigate them out of this mess. It's, <laughs> but this is the guy to do it because he's able to, to help this team to see the, the bigger picture. And you saw that in the playoffs when the Islanders had never, they just never got rustled from when they lost game three in every series. Like they, they hmm. <laughs> you think about how bad you felt after losing game three. The, the players just were unfazed by it and would come back and they'd win a, a do or die game four at Nassau Coliseum in emphatic fashion. And then they'd go win the game fives against Pittsburgh and uh, Boston. Like this is a guy who, who can get the team to kind of just shake that kind of stuff off and just take things just one game at a time and approach these last 59 games as they need to be approached, which is that, Hey, we got to basically win all of them um, until we don't, which is you got to earn that right again. Like you got to earn the right to, to not have to win every game. Uh, and they're far from doing that right now. And, but they can get there. Uh, and uh, he's the only coach, honestly, maybe on the planet. I can maybe think of one or two others that uh, um, might be able to, 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 to get a team out of this hole. Uh, and so, well, the only other way to do it would be the, that you, you do what the, the Canucks did, which would you fire the guy who got you into that hole and hire someone else to dig <laughs> you out, which I'd much rather be in the Islander spot. Yeah. Well, Barry says he's they're going to dig themselves out, so we just have to hope he's right. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, again, there, there might be, you know, some some issues with the roster, and I, I would believe that, that they would might need to fix and stuff. So even when they are fully healthy, they might have, you know, yeah. some tinkering to do. But, you know, but as and, long as they... Similarly, like if they need to earn the right to, to, for that stuff to matter, right? Like, right. like if the Islanders want to go trade for Jacob Chitrin right now, like it's one thing because he's got term or whatever, but, but if you want to, you got to earn that kind of move by showing like, Hey, you know, the season isn't worth giving up on go get this guy, like, because he can help us and legitimate. And it would just be like a meaningless move. It wouldn't be training for Thomas Vanek and then missing the playoffs for by 30 points. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk about a move too soon <laughs> that is true uh, I, i'm thinking more of a uh hey calvin dehan is back you know what number is he gonna wear now he's somebody else hasn't you know that kind of thing but uh yeah we'll have to see um speaking of coaches um there was a hullabaloo uh this week because an ex-coach john tortorella was uh, asked about that completely awesome trevor zegras uh sonny milano goal that I'm sure you've all seen by now, 50 million, whatever people have seen it on YouTube. It's insane. I, I, when I tweeted, I tweeted it. It was the rudest play in NHL history, but I mean that in the best possible way. It was just, that was just rude. Like it was rude that he did that. 
And it's like, oh my God, it was, and you know, it's fun to see two guys get stunned like that. And of course they asked Tortorella and he was like, I don't know if this is good for the game, Jonesy, or I don't know whoever was on the panel with him or that Bucci. I don't know if it's good for the game. I don't know if it's, this is, you know, it's, 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 Stops making it an honest game, Bucci. It's not a it's not a hard man's game or something like whatever he said. Anyway, this has created a whole stir, and of course, the people that are the most mad about it are the ones that keep bringing it up again, over and over again. So it becomes like a whole weekend's worth of news for absolutely nothing. And uh, I just find it really funny that I mean, look, I don't care what John Tortorella has to say, and I don't think Trevor Zegers and Sonny Milano and anybody else cares what he has to say. To be quite blunt, I just find it funny whenever something comes up about what's good for the game and what's going to grow the game. Nobody ever brings up the fact that the Islanders were left for dead by literally everybody on earth and ended up somehow turning it around and going to two straight semifinals. That wasn't good for the game because, and I I know it wasn't good for the game because you had legitimate people with large followings talking about, please don't let the Islanders go to the Stanley cup final. You have people with notable, very large followings, basically rooting against this team because they don't think that they're good for the game. That's not good for the game, but John Tortorella complaining about Trevor Zegras being what I, I don't even, it just, it just annoys me. It just really annoys me. What, what is and isn't considered good for the game and bad for the game and everything like that. Meanwhile, nobody cares. Like we care <laughs> The greater world, especially in this country, does not care. They don't know who Trevor Zegras is. They don't know who Sunday Milano is. They don't know who the Anaheim Ducks are. They don't even care. They don't care. Oh, wow. Those two guys put, that's a cool goal. Okay, great. What else is on YouTube now? Oh, some, oh, Ninja is, is streaming Fortnite. Oh, let's let me go watch that. That's what people are watching. They're not watching hockey. They don't care about hockey. Hockey is like the fifth or sixth most popular sport in this country right now, behind soccer, behind NASCAR, behind friggin' esports. Like, <laughs> you know, like, so who cares? Uh, but it just, I find it funny that, you know, some people think one thing is good for the game. Other people think something else is good for the game, and the game is still the game, and nobody cares. Just, yeah, and if you, you're not one of the gatekeepers, yeah, right. you don't even get your opinion doesn't matter unless yeah. you're in line, or 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 if it's you know so off the walls that they get to dunk on you. Um, one of the, one of the silver linings of, of the Islanders' terrible start has been that um, I just decided to go on an absolute spree of unfollowing and muting people and the criteria was quite simple it was only hockey and i honestly only kept it to hockey people and i followed way too many people yeah um that what i did was any i just for the for a couple days straight if someone tweeted something and ended up in my timeline i just said to myself do i like this person and if the answer was no i just got rid of them on my timeline and uh, it's been great the past couple days um i stopped in seeing and reading annoying stuff and the only way it gets sent to me is if someone else who knows how mad it'll make me like send it to me secondhand. And that's great because that only happens maybe once a day instead of 25 times when yeah, John Tortorella says something or somebody says that uh, uh, Seth Jones is a number one defenseman or something like something <laughs> crazy uh, uh, offensive like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's very frustrating and, and annoying um, because it, and it's, we, we, we really I, and me especially, like I love to rag on uh, Jeff Merrick and uh, the way he he kind of talks about the sport or whatever. But one thing I will say about him is like he's not going to do that. Like he's not going to he's not going to make make you feel small for for disagreeing with something or whatever. And um, the the Tortorella thing, it it to me is like four or five years, probably more than that, like six years ago, seven years ago. 
I probably would have been someone who would be, I guess, like a little more triggered by what he said um, and like maybe react on Twitter and call them a clown and thought it was great and, and cathartic. But I've, I've really veered so far away from that because I realized that this doesn't matter um, that I kind of root for stuff like that. And I was like, <laughs> I don't agree with him, but like, I'm, I'm happy he said it. Like I'm, I am like, cause I'm like, this is going to make so many people so irrationally relative to what it should mad that John Tortorella <laughs> sitting next to Rick DiPietro <laughs> unbelievably uh, w- w- said that. And um, it did it. it the, re- the reactions were ex- like, I could have taken all the, the hockey Twitter accounts that we're alluding to. I could have scripted out what they would say mm. uh, on, on their quote tweets. And, and I would have been like 98% right. Uh, <laughs> so it's, and, and so that's why I kind of root for those kind of things. And, and, and like, the Wallstrom Ross Johnston time on ice thing. I kind of was rooted for Ross to have more time on ice <laughs> than, than, than Oliver for a similar reason. Cause I was like, mm. everyone's going to be so mad. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I want to see Oliver Wallstrom play 16 minutes a night and score two goals or whatever. And, yeah. uh, but it's just, it's I, what how I feel about it. It's not going to change if he does or if he doesn't and how, how I feel about Trevor Zegers alley-ooping to Sonny Milano. Is it going to, no one's gonna say, "Oh, Mike Leboff, uh, he thinks this is good for the game." So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna right. see more of this. Um, <laughs> no, because as we've said all the time, that that um, hypothetical fan that the NHL has always been trying to has always somehow eluded the NHL's grasp is is not real. They're, they're not. There's no hypothetical fan out there that's that's waiting for to see Austin Matthews wearing neon laces or something. Right. You know, like. That's not what's going to change the, yeah. the trajectory of the sport. Um, yeah. And neither is and nobody nobody who was watching the ESPN Plus broadcast uh, the other night heard John Tortorella say that and said, oh, "That this sport's not for me." It's not John Tortorella right. telling me that it's not it's not for the good for the game. I, I'm done with this. I was gonna watch this hockey game, but now this guy <laughs> is talking shit about this goal that I saw on YouTube. Well, forget that. I'm out of here. Like, and, and the fact that like, it's just funny. And it's funny to me that uh, apparently like, you know, uh, soccer, I guess Mark Lazarus wrote about this in the, uh, in the athletic and I like Laz and everything. And, and I get what he was saying in the thing, but he, apparently some other newspaper said that like soccer has eclipsed the NHL as as the fourth most popular sport in this country. I mean, you would know better than I would because you're the one who, who is really more into it than I am, but I would totally believe that. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's always on all the damn time. Like I know that on Saturdays and Sundays I can turn on NBCSN and there will be a soccer game going on. There's one coming up at, and obviously now they're kind of, I guess in their whatever, not off season, but like kind of a break kind of thing. Right. I mean, but no, that now, right now they're, they're playing they, during the, the holidays. They play an insane amount. They play sat weekend and then they play in the midweek too. It's oh, they, they okay. jam them in, oh. but, but you're right. It's, it's what you said. Like you, it's just on. It's all on. And then then tune into MSNB. There's going to be, you know, if you're at noon, turn on NBC. Like, where is that with the NHL? It doesn't exist. It does, you know, yeah, okay, great. They're on ESPN streaming now. Like, sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't. They're on TNT at 10 o'clock after AEW Dynamite. Honestly, right now, I'd probably rather watch AEW Dynamite. Like, it's just, you know, this sport is never on. It's never on. And when it's on, all people do is complain about it. Just leave it. <laughs> the, just, fan, the people who love this book. I know. So- it, and then what cracks me up too is the schedule makers 
I don't know what is going on with it. Like, it's just funny to me that, again, we just, so soccer is on, you know, they'll have, obviously there's a time difference, but like, you'll have a game on, you wake up at eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday, there's a game going on. There'll be another one at 10, another one at 11, another, another one at noon, whatever. The NHL schedule has six games at seven o'clock, two at seven thirty, one at nine, and then two at 10. And that's it. And it's like, okay, how is that helpful? And this is on a Saturday. Like, why are there not wall-to-wall games on Saturdays and Sundays? Why aren't there starts at 1, at 3, at 5, and then a couple at 7? Like, why? Why not? Just leave it on. Who cares? I just – but, but yeah, John Tortorella talking about Trevor Zegras is bad for the game. Yeah, you know, that's what's, what's going right. to do it. Oh, and, and another thing, too, you brought up with, with Jeff Merrick. I, I wonder uh, – I'm just curious about the coverage of Zach Parisi getting off of his goal drought – against his former team and his current team's first win at home on his father's birthday. Like, let's see how much coverage that gets as opposed to Nick Foligno wearing his dad's old hat to a press conference. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and say Foligno probably got a lot more uh, press coverage. Like, what was it the other day? The Spezza. Spezza oh, yeah. Where they talked about how, how it, it honestly got to the point where they're talking about if uh, how to basically break the news to your kids. What am I supposed to tell my kids? How am I supposed to explain this to him? (laughs) Their favorite player is not playing. You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, so I, I just, it's funny to me how we're, we're picking and choosing the the things to, but the way you, the, the, the the soccer thing is interesting too, because the way it's covered, which was Mm. on the same network that the NHL was, was very different. It was, it was geared towards soccer fans. Mm. They weren't, they weren't, they didn't, you know, parachute in, Reese Davis or Chris Fowler and some just generalist sportscasters like got soccer people who talked about the game and and they just said we're just going to invest in good coverage and hopefully by year four or five people really get this vernacular down they understand the culture and, and it's worked it just mm. worked really well like this like they haven't changed just like we always complain with the NHL like they never change their coverage on NBCSN, neither has the soccer coverage has it really either because it was good. It was a good plan. Like, and, yeah. and the, the plan from NBCSN for the NHL was a bad one and <laughs> it never, it never got fixed and ESPN plus there and TNT was like, yeah, we'll just do that. And, you know, we'll just, we'll just do what NBCSN did, but in a bigger studio, <laughs> but including with the same, with the same host, <laughs> same host, same, same announcers, yeah. same everything. Yeah. But there's yeah, just, just it's, there's there's just it. no joy in it. Like there's no there's enjoyment of no. it. Like if you're in a hockey, why wouldn't you want hockey wall to wall on on Saturday? Start from one o'clock and just spread the games out. I don't understand. It's not that difficult. Yep. Just get it on. People want if people if you want the, to grow the game, you got to have it so people can see it. <laughs> like playing on ESPN Plus, whatever streaming something isn't going to help. It's just it's crazy. I just. <laughs> And I listened to the the Bettman presser who's like oh, clipped yeah. it on for the Jeff Marrick show. And you, you listen, first of all, the first eight questions <laughs> were asked by eight different reporters and they were all the same exact question about the, about the Olympics. Oh, right. <laughs> it was, it was, it was the same eight people like, I, and they would even, the reporters would even admit it. I, I couldn't like make out who all of them were, but I know for, for a fact, one of them was David Amber. And he's just like, hmm. I, you know, I know you've kind of talked about this already, but I just want to make sure we get this clear. Hmm. Uh, if you know the the quarantine is three weeks, some players are a little skeptical about going, and then but Gary Bettman and Bill Daly would just look at each other and make sure that 
they <laughs> they said the exact right thing so they don't get sued or whatever because that's how the nhl kind of just approaches everything is like well, right how do we do this so we don't get sued yeah. uh, it's just like <laughs> almost how they they play the game too mm. uh and it's just, and instead of you know addressing things that we we talk about like hey is, and maybe the olympics would grow the game i don't know but i i I think people we've sweep the Olympic the NHLers have gone to the Olympics for what they went from like 98 to 2012, yeah. 14, whatever it was. Don't think it worked. So I don't see any uh, reason to believe it would again, yeah. but especially in Beijing when the games will be on at three in the morning. But uh, you know, instead of asking these kind of questions of like, how do you think this broadcast, like how, how can you, how can you improve on, on this and make the game more accessible? And, and and another thing that people don't admit, actually, Mark Mathod is someone who I hear talk about all the time. Is like, yeah, soccer is going to be more popular than the NHL forever mm. in this country now because what do you need to do? You just need to pick up a ball and go play it as a kid. Like you don't need someone to help you get dressed when you're three years old to start playing, which is true. And that just means that you need to work a little bit harder mm. and more creatively to overcome a barrier like that. And the NHL just won't ever do it. My it's brutal. My counter to that, and I, I agree with him, and I, that does make sense to me. Because, but that that's always been there. My counter to that is that hockey has never been more popular in this country than it was in the early '90s. And the I I'm 100 dead serious about this, and it's not because I'm a huge nerd and I play a lot of video games and I have them downstairs. I think a huge reason why hockey was that popular in the early nineties was because of EA's NHL series for Sega Genesis and, and super Nintendo. And I feel like that was your entry point. Yes. Obviously getting ice time, getting skates and sticks and yada, yada, the whole thing is, is cost prohibitive for a lot of people, but you know what? You can pay 50 bucks back then. You could have paid 50 bucks, which was a lot of money for that year's NHL game. And you and your friends can sit down, plug the game into the console and play and have a great time and you would learn about names and, and, you know, maybe not so much the kind of rules of the game. Cause everybody kind of turned them off when they played, but uh, you know, you would learn about guys like Ronick and Ronning and, you know, obviously Lemieux and Belfort and all these guys. And that was your entry point. Now, obviously these games still exists, exist, but as unfortunately the way video games work now, and particularly sports games is they're like microtransactions all over the damn place. They're very expensive. You you plug it in and there's like a three hour long 58 gig download to get the update that you need to play. And it's just not the same experience. Like I haven't played an NHL game since I think 2002. What did, what did, there was one with Eric, Eric Stahl on the cover. I think that was the last one I played, but uh, that was like Oh seven or Oh seven. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it was. Um, but I, I think that was it. I think people just, they gravitated to that. And especially when they were kids, like it's different now. I don't know. Maybe kids play it. Now. I know a lot of people that play NHL, whatever the new one is, and, and I'm sure it's still good, but I don't know, man, there was something about those old games that really, yeah. I think brought people together in a way that playing soccer outside or playing basketball outside or even baseball outside, you know, also had. So it's, but I mean, you think about if, if, if let's say that there was another moment like that warshed moment, like, NHL 22 was was like mm. the new NHL 94 and got these new people in. They're like, okay, like, let me think of who, who do I need to follow on Twitter? Like who are the, you know, what hockey bloggers <laughs> or writers or podcasters do I need to follow? Or it would seem like homework. Like, right. like the, yeah. the way that these people talk, like, it'd be like, we, we have people who listen to the show from, um, you know, the UK and, and all over the place. Like imagine if you were, uh, you know, born in like, I don't know, Ipswich, England, and, and you start thinking, oh, I'm going to start getting into hockey. 
and you, you know subscribe to the athletic and you say okay like dom mm. he's he seems to be a national writer he's smart dude he mm. seems to be the guy and you follow him like how quickly would you just be like, holy shit, <laughs> this is way too much work to get involved in because I thought Rasmus Ristolainen was kind of fun to watch. Like I, I, I liked watching this big oaf just hurt people for the Buffalo Sabres, even though they suck. And then now I'm being screamed at because I was like, I like this guy. Like, yeah, yeah that's the way to grow the game. Like make, make people feel like idiots because their favorite player is Chris Russell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Like you're constantly being talked down to if you have a differing opinion and, you know, it's not, it's not good, but uh, yeah, but you know, it's, it's definitely John Tortorella's fault that hockey's not more popular. So, <laughs> yes. I guess that's what we're trying to get at. Uh, <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's done something that I thought would be impossible if you told me this in 2009 or something, whenever you still go to the range and be like, you, you're kind of going to like this guy in a decade. <laughs> Cause I do. I really do. I, I like, I'm like, I, 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 I liked him when he was at the jackets because mm. he, a lot of times he was beating teams that were in direct competition with the Islanders. And mm. uh, you know, he, he is, he's an absolute, nut uh hmm. and it's just much better when he doesn't have henrik lundquist playing behind him uh so yeah he's he's kind of gone onto my my good list my my nice list and i'm not my naughty list anymore he will 100 percent get another job and after the current comments i'm kind of hoping it's with anaheim i think it, that would be the most hilarious possible <laughs> i can't outcome. i can't believe the flyers didn't hire him yet i mean i know right. that everyone's like we gotta they gotta hire Mike Yo is just an interim coach, so there's still a chance. (laughs) Oh, God, he would be hilarious in that city. Oh, my God. He he just might not allow any fans to come to the games. (laughs) We're just going to shut down the building until we get this right, and then we'll start letting people back in. I could just imagine... Like the first question from Charlie O'Connor, who who writes for the Athletic, and and he's great on the the podcast, the Broad Street Hockey Podcast. But I can just imagine him getting into a fight. Yeah, that's what you think, Charlie. That's what you think. You know, like <laughs> just with the Brooksy thing. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, we'll get the <laughs> out of here. You know. And, anyway. <laughs> anyway, that would be pretty funny. All right. Well, we we've had a we, this is a long discussion. I, I was uh, there was a lot going on, and, and I guess we're our spirits are high against following an Islanders win. But they got two big ones coming up. They got Detroit, right, and then they got Boston, and then uh, I'm not sure who the uh, who's on tap for the weekend. Um, yeah, Detroit, Boston, oh Vegas, right, Vegas on Sunday, and then uh, the Habs on Monday. So um, we'll try and come come back between Monday uh, after after Monday's game, but before Thursday's game against the Caps. So a couple of tough ones in there. The Habs have had a you know bad season to be quite blunt. The Golden Knights, uh, are, you know, Robin, are over five hundred, and that's Robin the, Leonard's return first time. Yes, somehow. Yeah. I mean, right. I really, I'm, I don't think that it'll go under the radar with the Islanders, but it's been so long. So maybe the uh, statute of limitations for a tribute video. I'm going to be at that game, and I really hope that they they do. Oh uh, yeah, something. oh I, think I, I, I really hope so. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, he's he deserves a, a, a huge ovation. Yeah. Uh, and and I think he 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 he's obviously, you know, he's got the tattoo of Long Island on his neck, so yeah. he probably wants yeah. one. That would probably be sad if he doesn't get one. So um, I'm really excited for that. Actually, that would be amazing if they did like a giveaway, like free free Long Island neck tattoos for kids and you could, like, <laughs> tattoo lose tattoo yeah. lose back <laughs> to the course. They don't have a they don't have a, a thing at UBS anymore. No, no unfortunately either. not. But uh, but yeah, no. It, oh, I guarantee that they'll they'll do yeah. something. They'll do a video. I mean, they're not they're not crazy. They'll they'll do a video. But I just I'm I'm gonna I can't wait to find out who the first 
Toronto area blogger is to tweet. Why are they doing a tribute for Robin Leonard? It was like two years ago, and he only played one season with them. I don't you know, understand. One playoff series for them. Like, this isn't, yeah. he wasn't even on either of the conference final teams. This is weird. Right. I mean, I don't get it. This team is so weird. <laughs> okay. Whatever, guy. Please, please go back to watching. Please go back to stalking Jason Spence's house, making sure he's okay during his six game suspension. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's it. It was, there was a, wow, we covered a lot in this. <laughs> We're only two games. Not bad. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll come back next week after that, uh, that game against the Habs. Read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up to date Islanders news and discussion. Check out vintageicehockey.com. Check out Betway. Check out thepinoproject.com. Uh, where can everybody find you on Twitter? The Big Lebowski with two E's. Follow Mike at The Big Lebowski. Read his work at the Action Network. Uh, you got Wonder Goal and, uh, Line Change again. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, this is one of my favorite weeks of, of the year in sports. It's the uh, the first week of the uh, World Darts Championship coming up. Oh, boy. This week. Yeah, I actually had uh, tickets to it, but uh, I, w- I won't be able to go. But uh, I'm really excited. Wait, it should be a lot of where, fun. Where is that happening? It's in London every year. And uh, You were going to go to London to go to yeah. watch the World Darts Championship? Yeah, yeah. It's my favorite. It's, <laughs> it is truly the best sporting event uh, wow. on the planet. It's like... Everyone goes and the, the crowd dresses in costumes. Like I'll be tweeting. You'll see videos. Like if That's just, amazing. Yeah. And the videos are just incredible. The crowd is, they are all dressed up. Like the Smurfs are always there. There's always someone dressed <laughs> as Sonic the Hedgehog. I was going to go as either Albert Einstein or Ben Franklin. But, That's um, great. Yeah. And like the, so it's just, you know, these, yeah. and, and a lot of the players are, they look like, you know, what you would imagine a darts player would look like. And, and mm. there's also two, two women, including one of them is, really good like she's been beating beating uh uh the men in in big tournaments like she's won at the world cha- uh a couple matches at world the world darts championships before her name's fallon sherrock um, that's cool the queen, they call the queen of the palace and uh oh, wow. yeah so it's like it's this incredibly darts is so funny because it's like this you just you, you like snicker at it like darts like it's not and then you watch and you're like holy crap this is it's like almost like march madness on ecstasy mm. <laughs> and like and then uh but everyone's just so nice to each other. It's it's <laughs> because it, so it's also a little bit like the great British baking show in that sense. Like everyone's mm. nice and kind of right. like rooting for one another and they understand mm. like, this is absurd that I'm <laughs> playing professional darts for like half a million dollars. But is, is uh, that on TV here? Like can we watch that here? Zone. Like you can find it. Oh, you can right. find it. If it, you might, it you might like have to like stream it in a, on like a, yeah, weird site, but like that sound like it, some like Fox sports thing. Like, yeah, it just it, it so used, they used to be on uh the zone. It used to be yeah. on Fox sports a little mm. bit, but if um, the, you'll, there'll be videos. Cause you know, the, there are a mm. ton of viral moments from it all the time mm. and they're just always worth checking out. And uh, That's cool. it's, yeah, it's uh it's an incredible, incredible sporting event to watch. Cause yeah. like I said, it's just, it's darts. Like you're right. watching two people play darts, but the crowd <laughs> is so over the top. And uh, it's it's really hard not to get mixed up in it. Yeah. If if you go, I'll give you a costume costume suggestion. You should go as Captain America. You should get like, yeah. but not like a regular, like not like a good Captain America costume. Like get like a kid's Captain America costume, <laughs> you know, with like the, the chintzy, like plastic mask and stuff like that. And the, like a little tiny shield that's probably the size of a dinner plate on you, you know, that, w- that would be the best possible thing. Because you got to represent. You're there, yeah. you know, representing the U.S. Was, yeah. That's what I was thinking Frank, Ben Franklin. I was like, you know, I'm like yeah, an innovator, but um, uh, yeah, hopefully, maybe next year. I've, I've been saying it every year. Mm. And then this was the first year actually I like bought tickets and you had to buy them in like June. So I knew that there'd be a chance that, <laughs> you know, it'd be kind of difficult to go, but uh, hopefully maybe next year. 
Yeah, well, that uh, that would be that would be awesome, I, and we could do remotely, yeah. and then we could be like Jeff and, and Elliot, and you could just yeah. call in, and then you could just get your call can just get dropped immediately, <laughs> and I'll be like, we lost Mike. We'll get we're gonna try and get him back. <laughs> but uh, that's pretty cool. All right, well, check out that, and, and you know, now is the best time to follow Mike on Twitter because you're gonna see all these kind of cool viral moments from the uh, World Darts Championship. So now I'm excited for that. I'm more excited for that than I am to watch any Jets game for the rest of the season. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, there you go. So check it out. And uh, like I said, check out Lighthouse Hockey. And we will be back next week uh, after the Habs game somehow. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about what transpires over the next four. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, have a great week. And we'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye.